Welcome to the C.L. Brown Show. I am your host, C.L. Brown, columnist with the Louisville Courier-Journal. have another exciting episode for you. My guest on episode 16 is University of Louisville defensive coordinator Ron English. Ron was the defense coordinator back in 2008 at UofL under then-coach Steve Crackdorp. Spent some time as a head coach at Eastern Michigan, reunited with Jeff Brom his last two seasons as at Purdue as the co-defensive coordinator. And he followed Brom back to UofL for this season. Ron's going to talk a little bit about the upcoming game against Miami, which could decide uh, it, it won't be the only thing if they lose, but if they win, they're in to the ACC championship game. And we'll talk a little bit about this being a historic, possibly a historic defense for U of L as the first unit since 2013 to hold opponents to less than 300 yards per game. Everything seems to be kind of coming together on that side of the ball. But before we get into that talk, we're going to start with CL Sounds Off. All right, so silly season has begun. It actually started a, a while ago, really, because Michigan State had its opening. But we just saw Texas A&M and Mississippi State fire their head coaches after <laughs> after the game they just played, which I, I think that's got to be something new here. You know, two coaches fired from the same game, and it wasn't the last game of the season. Still got a few more to play. Um, of course, Jimbo Fisher was the big name at Texas A&M, but, uh, you know, and Boise State got rid of their coach. It, it, the dominoes are about to start falling. There's going to be a lot of conjecture as to who should be interested, who is interested, who is going to get jobs, interviews, all that kind of stuff. Um, but to have three openings in, within the Power Five, uh, which I guess at this point I should start saying the Power Two plus Two or something, you know, because obviously the Pac Pac-12's demise is well noted, well documented, and the SEC and Big Ten are are a bit more superpowers than the Big Twelve and ACC are. But that's neither here nor there, because those. Big job openings, especially with a place like Texas A&M that's going to throw money at the next candidate. Michigan State, probably, since it seems like they're going to wiggle out of having to play Mel Tucker, too much of that, uh, all up to $80 million that that he uh, was still owed. Um, they get out of that, they could probably throw a lot of money at, at, at a higher, so... You know, there, there are going to be some big names who are talked about for these jobs. And I have one of them that I think probably needs to listen. And I think that's Kentucky coach Mark Stoops. He's basically, you know, done all he can do at Kentucky. Uh, he's the winningest coach of all time at UK. He's got the program to where it's winning consistently. He's got you know their longest streak of consecutive bowl appearances 
and added to it, you know, they've already uh, won six games and qualified this year to be in a bowl. And I just think that it's at a point now where, and I've talked about this before, him being underappreciated, I felt like, at Kentucky. At a, he's, he's to a point where I think he's taken for granted a little bit. And I don't think this is a situation where I think he should inquire or, or at least put out some feelers for some of these jobs in order to somehow make UK bump up his salary more or, you know, just to feel the love for them because, you know, he gets paid enough. I, I, I don't think that's what this would be about. I think it's more like he's at a point in his career where what more can he do at UK? Because I think there's, uh, you know, I hate to say it this way. I think there's a ceiling there. I think he's he's kind of reached it, you know, um, for UK to break into that upper echelon to the to the private club almost of of Georgia and Alabama and LSU, the teams that end up competing for national championships, um, you know, and getting to the playoffs. I think it's going to take more. Now, when the playoffs expand to 12 games, that might be interesting because obviously the SEC will get its share of teams in. And I think, um, you know, I, th- I think Kentucky could possibly be a team that, that could squeeze in, you know, an expanded playoff. They, they, they certainly would be more likely to do it then than they are now, obviously, with four teams and they've they've never won the sec east you know they've never played for that sec championship and i mean i i don't know that stoop staying there even with an expanded playoff you know i i don't know that that's gonna change uh change anything change how he feels now uh about the job i shouldn't say change how he feels about the job i don't know how he feels about the job but I do think he's at a point and the university is at a point, at least the fan base is at a point where um, it's like, what's next? It's like, what what else? What are the possibilities here? So I think at the very least, Mark Stoops has got to listen. He, he's got to have his agent working behind the scenes to see you know what what else is out there what would be interesting because i think at a place like texas a&m or at a place like michigan state would be a new challenge it would be uh places where i think it's a bit easier than at kentucky football you know with with better built-in recruiting bases you know um even more resources you know i i think he would have a better shot of competing at the highest level. And I think those are places that need a culture change that he could institute because we've seen what he's done at Kentucky. So, you know, um, again, this isn't about him needing to feel the love, but I do think this is at a point where Mark Stoops needs to stretch his legs a little bit, you know, and just kind of see, see what's out there because pretty soon, you know, a couple more years, he might be at a point in his career where he can't leave, where, you know, another school isn't going to want him because he's kind of crossed that threshold and uh, they would want somebody younger and, you know, 
uh, up and coming as opposed to somebody who would be older and maybe just kind of managing. But we'll see how it all plays out. That's why they call it the silly season, because ideas like this that I just have are thrown out there. Sometimes they stick, sometimes they don't. But the next voice that you will hear, I will be speaking with University of Louisville defensive coordinator Ron English. Ron, I appreciate you being on the show. No worries. I wanted to start with what is different about your approach to coaching now that you're at U of L as opposed to your first stint when you were here? You know what, man, to be honest with you, the, the Lord is bigger in my life right now than he's ever been uh, because I've gone through some hard times. I've been fired as a head coach and kind of been ostracized for a couple of years. And I had one job interview in two years. And so, you know, I'm more balanced uh, than I was. And I know a lot more about football and I know a lot more about people and and I'm seeing, I see the bigger picture uh, more than I had before, and part of that comes from being a head coach too. Yeah, now it's interesting you say that. So, the first time Ron English from 2008. Oh yeah. How receptive would you have been as a defensive coordinator then with the head coach saying, "Hey, no question. I got some ideas I want to throw at you." Hey, yeah, I don't care <laughs> what your ideas are. At that time, I was like, you know, put it in my contract. I mean, I'm not. I'm going to do what I want to do, not what you think I should do, uh, which can be short-sighted. But, I mean, it's crazy, man, because when they, he's t- we all, I think, would love to, as a defensive coach, have an offensive coach say, this is exactly how we teach this. It's exactly what we say to him. This is what we like, what we don't like. I mean, that's like <laughs> cheat code, right? That's kind of what we're getting. Yeah. So Coach Brom has has talked about um, the level of trust has has built between uh, in your relationship with him and everything. How does that? I think actually, that's true. Yeah. How does that actually play out? Like during how's so it? you're preparing for Miami. How yep. how will he come in the room? Well, he doesn't. How it, how it really manifests is you don't see him as much hmm. this year. And whereas last year, he's always coming in. He's got a quote about this, quote about that. I just don't see him as much. Oh, yeah. Now, I go find him when there's some stuff. I'm like, hey, man, what do you think about this? Or, you know, how are they going to react to this or whatever? Uh, but, I, you know, you can feel that. The, yeah. the, there's no question. What he's saying is true. I feel that he trusts me more. And I think he's had some hard times, man. He's had some guys that, for whatever reason or another, didn't they weren't the defenses weren't what he really wanted them to be. Yeah. And I think he's gone through that as a head coach in many, many of his years. And I think he's finally got a staff, a group of people, because it's not just me that he likes and that he feels comfortable and that he feels like he has a voice. And uh, and he does have a voice. It's his team. He, he said that he felt like you guys were on the same page, basically. Like, uh, what, When would you say that kind of synergy really came into play, really clicked? Well, I think it starts with me believing in a lot of the same things as he does. Like, I think he didn't really know me as a coordinator. I think he he maybe have knew some of the results or knew, but he didn't really know me. So I think when he found out what I believed in, I think that helped. Uh, I think when he found out I was open to listening – 
I think that helped. Uh, and then the results, man, results help. I mean, <laughs> when you're playing good on defense, you know, that leads to some trust. Or, you know, another thing I think is big, when you're at the end of these games and it's a hard game and you make the right decisions or you come through or whatever, man, that builds trust. And yeah. we've been in several of those situations in the last couple of years where we've come through as a, as a program. Uh, and I think it's really because – I mean, you got some veteran guys. I mean, you know, we got some older guys, man. So have been through a lot of stuff. So we don't panic and we keep working the game. And at the end of the day, we give ourselves a chance to win. Yeah, you can point to Georgia Tech, the the big strip sack from uh, Dez Tell, the goal line stand against Indiana. But it started before that in the sense that I've been around long enough to know, okay, we can't do this one thing, so we got to do another thing. We played a lot of four down in the first half. We couldn't stop them in four down, so we went to a lot of three down stuff. And then they couldn't piss a drop. So, I mean, it, you know, it's just the advantage you asked me earlier of what's different is I'm just so much more experienced. I mean, you're talking 15 years ago. Yeah. So, and I've been some places where, you know, I've learned some things. Okay. Well, uh, this is this defense is on pace to be historic, possibly. Um, right around 300 yards a game, you guys are, are giving up. And. Uh, I think it hadn't been below 300 since 2013. How do you build? I feel like the rules are so skewed towards they the are. offense they now are. in are. football. How do you build a historic defense in 2023? Well, you know, we're back to old school in the sense of we preach effort and toughness as much as we preach anything. Mm. And we really t- preach a style of play like what does it look like on the tape like like does it look like you're straining does it look like you're striking people does it look like you're getting to the ball we had a I had a big deal with the whole staff and the players I don't want to hear you say run to the ball I don't want to hear you say chase the ball no get to the ball when you say those other things that's like I'm trying no no you either do or you don't get to the ball man do that so I think that that's still a part of it, and I think that we had lost our way a little bit. I even know me at times, I was kind of like, well, what do you coach? I mean, are you really coaching effort and toughness still, or are you just coaching these schemes? Because, you know, you'd see a lot of the RPO is in and all the empty stuff and emotions and this and that and the other. But, man, when you come back to that, they're going to get to other stuff. I'll never forget, we, we lost to App State and Oregon at Michigan. And finally, after Oregon, I say, you know what, we, we coach all this crap, all this scheme stuff, but we can't execute anything because we're not tough enough to do that. So let's, how about we coach toughness and effort? Let's coach that. And then we went on a run and played Ohio State for the right to win that championship. So it still comes back to that. Yeah. What, um, what do you feel like in terms of rules-wise, what do you feel like should be changed in, in order to maybe balance it out a little well, bit? Well, I'll give an example. They can cut us, but we can't cut them. Like, if okay, if we're in the box, you can cut. Well, come on, man. You got guys can't even see the guy coming, and he's cutting them. I, I like, hate that rule. Uh, I think they've done a better job with the targeting, believe it or not. Uh, they've they've evaluated that, and there's certain – like, now they're basically saying if you don't lower and hit with the crown of your helmet or launch, then, you know – now, obviously, you're not supposed to hit above the shoulders, but – uh, I think that rule is becoming more fair, um, you know. But, uh, I, you know what, I don't even get into 
tripping about it, to be honest with you, because yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. The rules are the rules, and it is what it is. So coming into this season, you know, obviously you had pretty good bones to work with yep. from, from last yep. year. Um, but has this, up to this point, has this defense exceeded your expectations of what you thought? Just the way the people are. The people, like I didn't know what to think about Jarvis. I'd heard some things that could be perceived as negative about him. Like he didn't handle, uh, for example, failure well. Maybe, you know, so, you know, if he has a bad play, maybe he'll get down on himself or whatever. The dude's been awesome. He's been an awesome leader. Uh, he's been an awesome player for us. It's just that we have a lot of unselfish dudes. And y'all ask me in there, you know, and I tell the defense, it doesn't always happen like that. It doesn't always happen where you got everybody really, truly rowing the boat in the same direction. Yeah. We, I've had not had to address any issues. One week I said, you know, every now and then you got to say, if you don't like your situation, why don't you practice better and change it? Mm. Why don't you put some stuff on that tape to change it? But to be honest, I have not had to deal with that. Yeah. It's been about – I had one week where that pit game where I addressed you can't play defense without being having a lot of energy and enthusiasm you're not going to be good on defense we're not good enough to do it ain't like we're playing with 15 pro guys so i mean so i just uh it's been amazing to answer your question the type of people and yeah we tried to bring in good people and there were a lot of people here but for it to really come together where everybody's really proven to be a good person and to care about the whole rather than the part that's been awesome. Yeah, I, I was jokingly calling them the, the no-name defense because it doesn't seem like there's just a star-dominating right. player that everything right. has to kind of funnel through, but everybody – it's been so many different Contribute. players to make big plays. Right. Yeah, and I, I, you know what? They, I, I like it like that. I like it like that. Be, you know, I like it like that. I, I just like the fact when people ask me, you know, obviously um, – you know, you could you could signal out uh, Ashton as probably the biggest, um, you know, people see the most uh, in terms of playing make, making plays on this defense and stuff. But I just love the fact that you really don't have, you know, these, oh, well, this guy's the dude or that guy's the dude. or No, nah, man, we got a bunch of dudes. Make it harder for an opposing offense to kind of game plan for yeah, it seems like. Yeah. Um, I will let you go on this question. Obviously, uh, you kind of alluded to it in the, the bigger press conference with uh, Tyler Van Dyke being back from Miami. Yeah. Um, how important is it for you guys to kind of rock him early? Because he may may have some confidence, you know, be questioning how well he can play uh, since he had been benched in return. No question. I, you're not going to affect him if you don't stop the run. And they are really good at the tunnel screens. I mean, it's scary how good they are. Like, so they'll run, you know, the, the receiver will come back, and those linemen, that center's out there so fast and that tackle that they're getting him back in the funnel, and they, they're running about 8 to 10 a game. Mm-hmm. And they're so good at it. So uh, I think you got to stop those screens. you got to stop the running game. they got big, powerful backs that can run. they got talent. That offensive line is, is athletic. And then you can get on that quarterback a little bit. But uh, – Yes, I think it does hurt him a little bit if you can get to him early. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one more question. Uh, how big would it be if you guys went on Saturday to earn that place in the ACC championship? Oh, well, I always say this. I've coached 30 years, 31 years. I've, I've won four championships in 31 years. 
uh, two at Michigan, uh, one at Purdue, and one at Florida in 31 years. So it's hard. Now, I've lost more than I've won. When I was at San Diego State, we all we got to do is beat Vegas. We win the Mount West. We lose to Vegas. They have won two games. So, I mean, it's not – it's hard, man. It's a gauntlet. It's a gauntlet. And uh, so it would mean a lot to me. It, it would just – it would be awesome. It would be awesome, man. I mean, to, to do that here and to have a chance to play for a championship – that we, you know, we're kind of like that. We think we can win every game, man. We we think we can coach ball. And we think we got good players, and and so to be able to be able to go out there and play for that, man, that would be so much fun. Indeed, indeed. Yep. Well, good luck to you on Saturday. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. That's going to be certainly an interesting game on Saturday for Louisville, trying to win at Miami for the first time in. Uh, this will be their eighth trip. They are 0-6-1 in the series history playing at Miami. So to get somewhere you've never been, you got to do something you've never done sometimes. We will see how that works out. So let's move on to the pickup lines. I went 2-1 last week, winning on Alabama at UK, winning on Michigan at Penn State, losing uh, on Louisville uh, in a 20-and-a-half point spread against Virginia, which I must say I would still do it again because Louisville entering that game was 5-0 and against the spread at home. They had looked pretty, pretty dominant in LNN Cardinal Stadium. And even within the scope of that game, I think had it not been a Thursday and it had been a Saturday, they probably would have kind of run away with that game. Got up 14 early, had a drive where they probably would have scored a touchdown with the ball a little bit better place than Jawar Jordan uh, running out of bounds, stepping out of bounds, and uh, before he caught the ball, um, he catches that in stride. That's that's a touchdown. That's a 21-point lead, and I think Virginia, um, not that they would lay down, but I think it would just change. It, it would have diminished hope for them. Would have had to pass more. UofL would have got after it more in defense. All these kind of different scenarios would have played out, but it didn't happen like that. Louisville ended up missing, uh, well, botching the field goal attempt because the snap was mishandled and didn't get any points on that drive. Go to halftime, 14 to nothing, and everything changed, you know, uh, with with within the first drive of that half. So, anyway, that's, that's what happens when you're uh, throwing out pickup lines. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But we're looking to go 3-0 and this week. So let's start with that game, Louisville at Miami, which I've seen as as Louisville's a one-point favorite. I've seen it as a pick-em pick game. Um, and I think at this point, I have to go with Miami uh, for the same reasons that I went with Louisville last week um, at home against Virginia because their track record this season they are 0-4 against the spread away from home. And that includes two games that are considered neutral site games when they played 
Georgia Tech in the opener at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and when they played Indiana in Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis. Uh, even though those are really like semi-away games, if you will, um, semi-road games because they they're clearly were, you know, they were road trips for sure. And they, they, they've skewed probably fan-wise, it skewed toward the uh, the home teams in that instance, Georgia Tech and IU, but they just haven't they haven't played a clean game from start to finish away from LNN Cardinal Stadium all season, um, and obviously we saw what happened in Pittsburgh and losing that game, and even at NC State, you know, a defensive struggle that they end up pulling out, but they were trailing by ten in that game, they trailed. In the opener by 15, never trailed against Indiana, but they were shut out in the second half, just like they were shut out in the second half uh, of their loss at Pitt. So it's one of those games they're going to have to prove it. Certainly, this is the first time under Jeff Brom they're playing with with big stakes. Uh, a berth in the ACC championship game is on the line. So we will see how they handle that kind of pressure uh, in that kind of stage. But Right now, I'm going to take Miami and uh, and to both cover and to win that game. Moving on, we have Kentucky, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at South Carolina. Uh, I'm taking the Cats to cover and to win this game. Looking at Mark Stoops' track record, he is 8-2 and two against the spread against South Carolina during his tenure at UK. He's also 4-1. and one. At, on the road in Columbia against the spread for UK. So I'm looking for him to continue that trend of, of being able to beat the Gamecocks. Um, certainly there's, there's a little caveat to it because it seems like there's a little, you know, I, I don't know if it's a rivalry or a beef or whatever you want to call it, but I think Shane Beamer uh, would enjoy beating Mark Stoops um, after their whole little back and forth with the shades, uh, wearing shades and the video that, that South Carolina did. And, you know, uh, it's what makes college football great. I mean, just kind of the little, the little sub tweets, if you will, the little nudges, um, the backhanded compliments, all that good stuff to fuel rivalries. Moving on to the national game. I'm looking at Georgia is a 10 and a half point favorite at Tennessee. I mean, this, I like this spot for the Vols. Georgia, I feel like will win this game. They have, they have been dominant when they've had to be. Um, We certainly saw that last week against Ole Miss, but I also feel like Tennessee is coming off of this Missouri loss. People, uh, including in Vegas might be uh, underestimating them a bit. I think they get they get a little healthy going to Nayland, playing this game in Nayland Stadium in Knoxville. And I look at Josh Heibel's record after a loss while at Tennessee. He is eight and one against the spread. I think he will have the Vols ready uh, to compete. Uh, again, I'm taking Georgia to win the game outright, straight up. But I'm taking the falls to cover that 10 and a half. Um, so my record overall against the spread 23, 11 and two 
Record straight up, 30 and 6. Let's see if I can't boost those winning percentages this week. That will do it for Pickup Lines, and that will do it for another episode of the C.L. Brown Show. I sincerely thank you for tuning in uh, every week, or if you're new, I sincerely thank you for tuning into this episode. And if you feel so inclined, go ahead and hit on that subscribe button, uh, write a positive review because we need more love in this world, or just hang tight, sit back, and wait for the next episode to drop next Wednesday. Thank you again for tuning in.